Good morning. It's Thursday, November 5th. I'm Duarte Geraldino. And I'm Shamita Basu. This is Apple News Today. The race for the presidency is boiling down to a handful of states. And as of early Thursday morning, it looks like Joe Biden is maintaining a narrow lead over President Trump. Here's where things stand now with the race for the White House, ballot counting, and the fight for Congress. Wednesday afternoon, the so-called blue shift started appearing. States began to chip away at counting their mail-in ballots, which tightened the race in some areas where Trump appeared to have an early lead. By the AP's count, Biden is now just six electoral votes away from reaching that magic number of 270 to win the presidency outright. President Trump needs 56 votes. In Arizona, Trump is starting to gain ground on Biden. Both the Associated Press and Fox News call the state for Joe Biden on election night. But other outlets say it's still too close to call. And as outstanding ballots in Arizona are processed, this race is getting tighter. Arizona, by the way, carries 11 electoral votes. Which means there are five states left to be called. Nevada, Pennsylvania, Georgia, North Carolina and Alaska. Nevada carries six electoral votes, which, as I mentioned, is the exact number that Biden needs to reach 270. And he has a slight advantage in the state. We are expecting an update on Nevada's count at around 12 p.m. Eastern today. As for the other four states that have not been called yet, President Trump is leading. Although as more mail-in ballots are processed, his leads in Pennsylvania and Georgia are diminishing. In Georgia, with around 90,000 ballots left to be counted, President Trump's lead shrank to roughly 23,000 votes by early this morning. And in Pennsylvania, ballots arriving up to three days after Tuesday will be counted, so long as they were postmarked by Election Day. Biden's expected to win a big share of those votes. They're coming in from Democratic strongholds. North Carolina is also still counting hundreds of thousands of its ballots. Okay, let's turn to the Senate, where control hinges on four uncalled elections. In Michigan, Democratic incumbent Gary Peters managed to hang on to his seat on Wednesday, securing 48 Senate seats for Democrats. Republican Susan Collins was also the winner in Maine. That secures 48 seats for Republicans. The remaining races to be called are in Alaska, North Carolina, and both races in Georgia, one of which is headed toward a special election. In the fight for the House of Representatives, Democrats will maintain their lead, but they underperformed. Instead of picking up seats, which was the expectation going into the election, Democrats are now facing the reality of a diminished majority. Several members in conservative-leaning districts lost their bids for re-election. Whatever winds up happening in the next few days, Politico points out that Joe Biden has broken the record previously held by Barack Obama for the most votes received by a presidential candidate in history. As of Wednesday afternoon, the AP counted over 70 million votes for Biden. Let's turn now to the ballot measures that were decided on Tuesday. These voter-approved measures affect drug and labor laws, reproductive rights, and racial justice, and they're going to shape the lives of millions of people. First up, voters in several states approved laws to decriminalize drugs. Vox is calling it one of the most significant shifts in U.S. drug policy in history. In Arizona, Montana, New Jersey, and South Dakota, ballot measures to legalize marijuana for recreational purposes passed. In Mississippi and South Dakota, 
It was legalized for medicinal use. This means marijuana is now legal in 15 states and Washington, D.C. Voters in Oregon went a step further. Marijuana was already legal there. But this week, people in Oregon voted to decriminalize not just marijuana, but all drugs, including cocaine and heroin. It's the first state in modern times to decriminalize the possession of hard drugs. Here are five other ballot measures you should know about. Colorado voters rejected an initiative that would have banned abortion after 22 weeks. And in Louisiana, voters approved a proposal to remove reproductive rights from its state constitution. Mississippi voters said yes to getting rid of two Jim Crow-era measures. They voted to replace their Confederate-themed flag with a new design and to get rid of a constitutional provision that critics said was discriminatory against Black voters. In Rhode Island, they voted to remove references to slavery in the state's official name. Technically, it's called the State of Rhode Island and Providence Plantations. Its new name is now simply the State of Rhode Island. This election is also changing labor laws in two states. In California, Proposition 22 passed by a wide margin. This is a big win for tech companies like Uber, Lyft, and DoorDash. The measure exempts these gig companies from a state labor law that required them to treat drivers as employees and pay benefits like health care and unemployment insurance. Under the new law, drivers will still be considered and treated as independent contractors, but as a concession to labor advocates, the initiative establishes an hourly wage guarantee and some benefits to drivers like subsidized health insurance. Now, while many people see this as a win-win for companies and drivers, critics warn It sets a dangerous precedent by allowing all sorts of companies in many other fields to hire people as independent contractors, not full-time employees, which means they wouldn't be covered by traditional labor protection laws. And over on the East Coast, Floridians voted to increase the minimum wage in the state to $15 an hour by 2026. According to the Florida Policy Institute, this measure will increase the incomes of 2.5 million workers. Something major managed to fly under the radar yesterday. The United States formally left the Paris Climate Agreement. President Trump first announced his intention to pull the U.S. out of the deal back in 2017, right after he won the election. But it took some time to make it official. And now, with the presidential race still up in the air, Trump's commitment to leaving the pact is a reminder of the stark differences between the two candidates and their visions for America's climate policies. The United States is the second largest carbon emitter in the world, the country that's generated the most cumulative carbon dioxide since the mid-1800s. Bloomberg News explains, if Joe Biden wins the election, he's committed to rejoining the accord as soon as he takes office. Now, Biden ran on a progressive climate platform and pledged to lower the U.S.'s share of global emissions. But if Trump is reelected, we can expect a continuation of his environmental agenda. Trump has enacted policies that go directly against the Paris Climate Accord, like using more, not less, fossil fuels. He's rolled back over 100 climate and environmental regulations, and he continues to express doubt about climate science. When President Obama signed the Paris Climate Accord back in 2015, he committed the United States to curb greenhouse gas emissions over the next 10 years by at least 26 percent. As of right now, it doesn't look like the U.S. is going to meet the agreement's goals, which is one reason local government and private industry are starting to take matters into their own hands. U.S. emissions are down by about 15 percent. 
you should know other countries have not followed the United States in leaving the Paris Accord. If anything, Bloomberg News explains America's exit is having the opposite effect. World leaders are accelerating their efforts to fight climate change. This week, Chile, France, Italy, the UK, and the United Nations released a statement expressing regret for the United States' exit and saying that they're still committed to the pact's goals. And China, Japan, and South Korea recently set national deadlines to reach carbon-neutral economies. Even though election results are still coming in, one thing is clear. The United States is more divided than before. Even if Biden manages to win, nearly half the country voted for Donald Trump, at least 68 million people. And the gap between what those two sets of Americans want for our future is just massive. Gerald Seib, the executive Washington editor for The Wall Street Journal, wrote about this growing divide for the paper. How red parts of the U.S. are becoming more red, and blue parts of the country are becoming even more blue. How during a pandemic, one side is arguing for better public health and the other for better economic policies. Or how one side spent the summer protesting systemic racism while the other saw demonstrations as the breakdown of law and order. 270 electoral votes won't magically solve any of those issues or show there's a national consensus on how to move forward. Side rights. The election battle may soon come to an end, but our culture war, it's still heating up. You can find all these stories and more in the Apple News app. And keep checking in on Apple News for the latest in election results. We'll talk with you again tomorrow. 